And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Lost Podcast of Titan, a father and son journey through the sci-fi series at Unitas. Today's sponsor, Psychor, is a member of your family psychically gifted. Do you worry about them having Nazi fascistic <laughs> tendencies? Do you want to live on Mars? Do you want your cousin or relative or sister brother to be forcibly removed and live on Mars? Call Psychor today. Get rid of unwanted family members. Thank you, Psychor. <laughs> Uh, a few things I wanted to talk about before getting into the episode, and the first is a confession. Okay. I, wait, 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 I, wait, what episode? What episode are we watching? We are watching. We will be watching Dagger of the Mind from Star Trek on Star Trek, the original series. And if but you disagree are, with us and our opinions, you can reach us at lostpodcastoftitan at gmail dot com. Go ahead. But in our previous episode that we yes. Miri, yes. I said that there was a part in there where Mr. Spock blithely threw out some sort of half-baked theory regarding the duplicate Earth. And I now come before you to report that I was in error. That throwaway remark does not occur in Miri. It will occur in Bread and Circuses in the second season. So my apologies to Star Trek archivist and purist in the audience who were who would have been understandably offended by my faux pas, but in that in doing my research, I found I did sort of vindicate one of your theories, Jeremiah. You had talked about the duplicate Earth as being populated by, I believe, humans that were placed down there for some reason, and in James Blish's adaptation of Miri. Blish for the notion that the planet was one of the first ones populated after the atomic war, and it was populated by human isolationists, which doesn't exactly explain the old-fashioned cars and such, but I think went a lot further towards explaining a duplicate Earth than what we got in the episode. If they had just put in a line or two about that, hand waving of it anyway it was just yeah. oh hey look another that's even worse that's not a, that's not a plus that's a worse okay and on a slightly different note um yeah. we have also just finished our first commentary on a motion picture mad max which should become available fairly soon to this episode it's already available yeah Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that would make sense. Yes, so, we do these in order. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, so if your people are interested in our nattering about in regards to a feature film, that's available. But I recently saw a trailer or a new Mel Gibson film or the new Mel Gibson film that will be coming out God knows when and God knows where called Fat Man, mm-hmm. directed by Ian and... Uh, Eshom Nelris, and it looks interesting. Apparently, Mel Gibson is playing Santa Claus, a much more militaristic who version of Santa Claus who hires himself out to the military in order to try and prop up his business, which is fading because not too many people care about Christmas nowadays. It Go find the trailer and check it out if you get a chance. It looks wild. Sounds like a version of Lobo's paramilitary Christmas special, but eh. <laughs> anyway, that was enough of that from me. Anything from you? Uh, uh, oh, oh, all the movies that are actually being delayed. Uh, Dune has been delayed. 2021. Yes. And I am okay with this. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. Ah, any any particular reason? The simple fact that the more time we have uh, dealing with the troubles, uh, the the like, it'll be less likely that things will be you know in completely hell in a handbasket. It'll either come to the point in late 2021, whatever, whenever it comes out, whatever, that uh, either we'll be smart enough to you know maybe start taking this thing seriously or it's just fuck it. I'll just watch it streaming. Well, so, my th- go ahead. My thought on the matter was this 
would give uh, an opportunity for the films to be more thoroughly polished. And that costs money. They're not spending money on this shit. There's not. There's not a single movie studio right now that has the money to do anything at all. Period. Well, well, hope springs eternal. And I mean, uh, the theaters. Uh, they basically told the uh, movie studios uh, to like give us content or we're going to die. And the movie studios just said, fuck off. So it, it might be that theaters just don't exist in a few years, except for some uh, boutique venues. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Yes. <laughs> you know how you can keep yourself warm in winter? By selling out your family to the Psychor. Psychor. <laughs> Do you just have a feeling that some of your family sucks and would be better off in Mars being mind scrub fucked by a bester? Psychor. Send your applications to Psychor at lostpodcast at titan at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> so as Papa had mentioned, we are watching Star Trek Divisional Series episode Dagger of the Mind. So go to your favorite physical media or streaming device. Get to the zero zero mark. Go ahead and pause us and come back when you're ready. And welcome back. Okay. We are going to start in three, two, one, play. Gosh, an infrasensor. Wait, what? Infrasensory drugs. Um, Jesus Christ. Wait, what? What are you doing? He's putting it on the transporter pad. What kind of containers are those? I presume insulated containers to carry drugs. But, I mean, you could use a box. A box would be easier. And stackable. You could stack the boxes. Look at these assholes over here, beaming stuff up and down. It's got to be embarrassing. Yeah, that's going to show up on his record. God, you're right. They are just moving a cloth behind that panel back and forth to change the colors, (laughs) aren't they? Like, once you brought that up, uh, I forget what episode, maybe even the first episode, I've been looking at them in the background, and you're right. It's just, (laughs) like, I'm just going to move it here, then I'm going to move it there. This is what I went to school for. <laughs> I'm getting paid craft services. I want to have a show cabels. business. Classified material. Do not open. Yes, sir. Oh, may I? Yeah, may I? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold up. What was Kirk doing there? This is standard and routine. Why is he just fucking around with the... Yeah, I wonder if he, he's supposed to be there. So... <laughs> he just went in there, sh- shit on the transporter guy. No one's paying attention. And then walks out. Say, okay, whose who's day can I ruin uh, now? Also, he's marking down the colors as though they're not being recorded somewhere. The guy sneaking up on him is Morgan Woodward, who would appear in another Star Trek original episode, second season. I wonder if that's the equivalent of a uh, prison uniform he's wearing. Like, you know, the classic black and white stripes. Maybe. I just wonder why are we putting because we'll see another penal colony later on in, in the original series. We're placing these penal colonies way out in the middle of nowhere. Are uh I would think they're trying for a kinder, gentler rehabilitation colony instead of supposed to be rehabilitating and i'm so far not seeing any rehabilitation but then again we just saw the guy escape so 
Well, it did say penal colony, so it's supposed technically it's supposed to be a prison, but presumably, and of course we'll get into that here in the rest of this episode. These people are supposed to be receiving care because this is the Federation, and everything must be you know nice and hunky dory. We're going to give them all a big hug and a steaming cup of hot tea, and everything will be nice. Oh, we got Uhura. She's back. Let's not have that lanky ass motherfucker that usually steals your seat. <laughs> I would love to see this series with you writing the credits. Uh, <laughs> lanky so, so, ass so, mother- so, so, so and so actor playing lanky ass mother. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. There is only one officer on this bridge who can communicate with my heart. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Potentially violent. So Kirk walks in when they're doing the simple beam up, but no one walks in when the guy is in the process of changing clothes. In the On middle top of that, the- what happened to the guy who was going to arrange for it to be locked up? And here we have two people in the background, eavesdropping. Wait, what are you guy- work are you doing? The red shirt on the left. Wasn't he the transporter officer who messed up the security procedure? I don't think so. I, I know. I know. Uh, I know what you're saying, but I don't think it's the same guy. Yes, <laughs> we we may have an intruder aboard. Ah, oh, someone spotted him. I was afraid this wild-eyed guy was going to be just wandering through the ship, and no one was going to notice. Seriously. Also, I was about to bring up how can you be on a ship that you know this is this crowded and no one uh, and someone doesn't recognize that they don't belong there, but they went right for it. Like, who the fuck are you? You're supposed to be engineering. The guy panicked. Now wait, that was the guy from the bridge. Are you sure? I don't know. He was. He got killed really quick. Well, you know, or knocked out. Knocked out. I'm not getting a very high regard for enterprise security personnel at this point. Seriously. As a matter of fact, if you're not part of the main uh, cast, you're really kind of an idiot. And even that doesn't save you. <laughs> you fall off cliffs. You scratch yourself without your spacesuit on. You. They actually uh, <laughs> Wow uh, uh, but no, they actually realized he was missing really quickly because I was gonna bring up the fact that you know shouldn't they be tracking their prisoners, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but no, holy crap. So far this is a better written episode than the last one by well that doesn't doesn't <laughs> really okay. Damning with faint praise here. Yeah. Uh, bullshit. I'm sorry. If you're being attacked, you're not going to be like, logically speaking, poof, poof. I'm not, I'm being attacked, but I, I have no emotion, so I shouldn't fight back because violence isn't an answer. And maybe the security guy would have been more effective if he'd been facing the elevator door instead of standing with his back to the elevator door, but that's just me. That's right. What the fuck was he doing? Well, you were on an asylum. Are we torturing prisoners? Not the Federation. Oh, certainly not. Wait, where the fuck is Sulu? Hold on. I'm I'm just happy we got rid of the lanky fucker, but where the fuck is Sulu? <laughs> Nick pinch. Nick pinch. Nick pinch. <laughs> We've already seen how like destroying the control panel uh doesn't really, you know, keep it from functioning. They 
originally in the series, they had a scene where Spock uh, solves a problem by just punching the guy out. But then Nimoy, I believe, and the others said, no, Spock wouldn't, Vulcan wouldn't actually have to resort to physical violence. They'd do something else and came up with the Vulcan neck pinch at that moment. It's awesome. It's a great concept. I know. It was, also became very visual. Oh, I do. I don't like how everything is susceptible to Vulcan neckage. Like, I could understand how a Vulcan would understand and train how to do it to humans, Romulans, etc., etc. The, the big name species. But later on, at least in the series or even this particular series, he'll start Vulcan neck pinching every goddamn thing that he just ran across, and you know, it'll be the right nerve cluster to hit. Well, it wouldn't work on androids, but. Did you spell that? It's a miss. For those of you not schooled in classic myth, Tantalus was one of the people tortured in the Greek hell. Their colony after that. It is from the word Tantalus that we get the term tantalizing. Hold on, hold on. They named their colony after that. Yes. What the fuck is this bullshit? That's not a red flag. I mean, they, they, they being the Federation and all, you would think they would name a penal colony, you know, something like Happy Acres. Happy Acres, or, Sweet Meadows. Sweet Meadows, yes. Oh, not, a, not at all. ever had a, uh, a needleless hypodermic injection? Yes. Um, most of my immunizations have been that way. I prefer the needle, to be honest. Or maybe the person who gave me the uh, needleless hypodermic just fucked it up really badly, but I got this massive bruise when they did it to me. Accidents do occur. ID tape. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, you explained to me how even in this day and age we still use tape, so yeah, but we don't say it's on the tape. You know, even if it's on the tape, it's you know on the disc, quote unquote. Like we have uh NIC cards, network interface cards, which is Redundant because if you sp- do use the acronym, it's network interface cards, cards. It's just. Oh, now they're concerned. Yeah, seriously. Wait, did, no, they told him who it was to begin with, right? They said his name was Van Gelder, but. And it wasn't until Spock did some researching that they made the connection that Van Gelder was a scientist at the colony. What's going on? Bones has conflicting information. And he named his prison Tantalus. But yeah. I'm sorry. No. 
And I can't think of any reason, even if the planet was named Tantalus before the colony was established. It's a different planet. Uh, um, I can't think of an interest, of a particular reason for naming a planet Tantalus unless it had a condition similar to the torture that Tantalus received in Tartarus. Who was that, like, that uh, crazy sadistic Nazi doctor who just did random experiments and shit? Dr. Mengele. Yeah, like, he advanced medical science, you know, immeasurably. Yeah, but... but we don't revere his ass. Oh. I, I I once had someone trying to convince me of a points like that, that regardless of how evil the Nazis were, they advanced uh, various fields of science. And I'm sorry, I just... I thought, let's put these advances to the people who lost their lives or were tortured horribly to produce these advances. It's It's just a moral barrier that I've been unable to jump. I go to the point of it's, uh, were the advances worth it? No. But having been done, it's also uh, cruel not to use them, I guess. Well, the advances... Like, all right, the advances were worth it, but I think we could have we would have arrived at those advances with eventually without having to torture innocent people. Yeah, exactly. I don't get many visitors there. Oh well, okay, it's a penal colony. I'm sure it's vacation spot of the universe. Exactly. Also, uh, the unit seven seventeen from Japan or something like that. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. But yeah. No, no, like it's the same concept. Uh, they have all their data on because they literally just, you know, tie people to uh, this is a Star Trek episode, folks. Uh, tie people <laughs> to posts <laughs> just to measure, like, okay, if we blow up a mine this far away, what's the damage on the body? And you know, we we took that data. I, yeah, uh, and more than one person has complained with perhaps some justification that yes, our country did put men on the moon, but that achievement was built on the backs of slave labor during World War II. Also, uh, but, discrimination as well, uh, racial prejudice because of uh, uh, the math magicians they used. It was like a uh, cadre of black women or something like that. There's a movie I kept wanting to watch about it. Uh, your mother would know that's one of her favorite movies, and I know which one you're talking about as well. Yeah. Well, we had to her, get to the moon. I mean, we can't have the Russians get on the moon. I mean, just imagine the Russians on the moon. Yeah. Well, that's how the space program was sold in the beginning. Well, yeah. We can't have vodka on the moon. It has to be an American beer. God, here damn. we are. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> I made my point. <laughs> uh, I, I see what you meant about her. Yeah, most beautiful woman in the original series, possibly in the whole Star Trek franchise. I still like uh uh Andrea from What a Little Girl's Made of. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh oh. <laughs> yes, he has a habit of dropping in. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> I, I think she's checking out rather nice so far, but that's just my opinion. Gotta love those uniforms. I mean, oh my! She knows how to wear a uniform. And it's a pity they went away in the next generation. But I also understand that you know this can only go so far as an official unit. Like goddamn, it doesn't even go far enough to cover her that lovely ass. I know it. Oh. 
<laughs> but who says we can't take advantage of an elevator ride? Well, oh, fuck. God damn it, Kirk. <laughs> James Gregory, one of the busiest people in show business, movies, television, episodes, series. He was one of those guys who was never not working, actually. Played all sorts of roles. Westerns, war movies, spy pictures. We have two doctors on board the Enterprise, but we never see her again, right? Well, she's just a psych... Uh, psychologist on board, and I guess the Enterprise has no real need for psychologist much. Deanna Troy was the busiest crew member on the Next Generation. <laughs> oh, and speaking of uh, uniforms in the Next Generation, if you're interested, go to YouTube and look up Marina Sirtis's comments on the uniforms in the Next Generation. She's hilarious. Wait, holy crap. Is something wrong with her eye? Like, one is looking right at the camera, the other one is looking at the doctor like, oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> or is it just a shadow? I th- it might have just been a shadow. Nope, nope, that is... Oh god. Well, let's hold on. Just Look! <laughs> one eye is straight up just looking off to the left. That is Suzanne Wasson. Let's see. Um, doesn't mention anything about a eye condition. Memory pattern? That's that. No, that sounds like brainwashing. Well, her name is another reference to the Greek hell. The river of Lethe was the river of uh, forgetfulness. Uh, human souls were took a drink from Lethe, erasing their memories before they were sent back up for rebirth. Only it's when it's in the close-up. Yeah. Ah. So somewhere... me... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it, it, maybe she, she looks like she's wearing a bad um, uh, lens or something. Contact Possible. lens. Someone graduated uh, college uh, Greek mythology classes with all these references here, thinking they are so cute. And I would think that she would be curious. Exactly. I mean, I sure as heck would be curious. Realize something. We're about uh, what eleven episodes in? Let's see. Uh, season. T- okay, yeah. Uh, so ten episodes in. We haven't seen the Enterprise fire a shot in anger at this entire time. No, not yet. Huh. That'd be amazing. I mean, like, I'd imagine the producers would be, you know, this is supposed to be uh, the wagon train to the stars. You got to have the Indians attack. You got to circle the wagons, you know? I should point out in defense that phaser fire and animation such as that was expensive. So that's why you, when you ever you saw in the original uh, versions of these episodes, phaser fire and such from the Enterprise was stock footage. It was always the same angle of uh, phaser fire being shown. 
supplies his brain with no. Does it make him wear lousy choice and pants to as well? Neutralizing brainwaves is a better solution? No. <laughs> what the fuck kind of bullshit is this? You better be lucky you're so cute. Uh, what? It's a chamber of horrors. <laughs> it's a chamber of horrors. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Neutralizing brain weight. No. This reminds me of uh oh goddamn. Hold on. I'm beginning to think this isn't on the up and up. But uh nothing gets past you, I've noticed. <laughs> so there's there's a game called uh uh Dragon Age uh Origins that came out quite a few years ago now that I think about it, but uh, the mages are a, uh, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? So if you display any magic ta magical talent, magical abilities, you are basically sent to this tower where uh, anti-magic Templars will keep watch over you as you are trained. And if you fail your courses, uh, or uh, they, they feel it necessary, they will basically just lobotomize you and make you a servant of the tower. So you Ouch. have, yeah, so you have all these wandering lobotomized servants. Some of them you actually knew as your friends in the course of the game who, you know, were vibrant and alive uh, at one moment. And then when you meet them later in the game, they've gone undergone this, this ritual and there are just these mindless zombies just performing their tasks. And it was, it was really fucking dark. <laughs> Sniff. Sniff. <laughs> Pout. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, they have Greek statues in the back, or yes, or is that more of a Roman head? I don't know. Well, they stole the Greek religion anyway. Never mind. Same thing. Written written by S. Bar David, which was a pseudonym, I believe. Wait, why do we have a pseudonym for this episode? You think someone would have wanted to have their real like? It's it's still a good episode. Some people. Um, Simon Winselberg was his name. He used the nom de plume Espar David, meaning Simon, son of David. Interestingly enough, uh, considering all our earlier discussion on Nazi research, his family uh, were forced to flee Germany due to the Nazis. Well, that's a coincidence. 
he not only wrote Dagger of the Mind, he also wrote another first season episode, The Galileo 7. Don't see any information here concerning classical education, but like any good writer, he would have some schooling, either professional or personal, in history. Well, I mean, uh, Edith Hamilton's Mythologies was required reading uh, twice, actually, I think. I had it in high school and in college. Really? As, I, I, never had it rec- I never had it required for me, but I have read Hamilton's Mythology extensively. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, I was actually in a city with a real school. <laughs> so, so was I in elementary school, and that's when I first came across Hamilton. So, interestingly enough, my high school had uh, Hitler's Mein Kampf on its library shelf. Well, actually, I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm fairly certain that actually is also in my school. But uh, I was actually surprised what I could find in my library, like in middle school and high school. Like Edith Hamilton's mythologies has a direct passage. I remember it because I was I was rather shocked. But there was a scene. It was a banquet scene, and uh, one of the lines was, "And food was served and entertainment provided by topless dancing girls." And I'm like, "Huh? You were raised in the wrong century." I was raised in the wrong goddamn century. (laughs) The fuck is this shit? But it also it it disappointed me because that meant that none of the assholes who would normally be offended even bothered reading the stuff they would put in the library. Cause you know, that should have been quote unquote censored. I would, exp- I would be surprised if a librarian has read everything in a particular library. I don't think the librarians are normally the ones trying to censor shit. It's usually the PTA. Right. This, I mean, by the way, is our first example of the Vulcan mind meld. I think McCoy would be familiar with this. This isn't a secret technique, is it? No, but he had to talk. This is the first time I think he asked Spock to actually do this sort of thing. It's a, a Spock that is extremely personal. So a Christmas party, huh? <laughs> Just a bit. Yes, I am. understand what it is you're seeing like i mean it's suspect suspicious as hell but just she dr adams must be one of her heroes because he's a big noise in the rehabilitation field yeah but she slept with captain kirk at the christmas party you think she would be all over him instead (laughs) i mean you know this is usually how it works where's the old kirk charm Okay. Pardon? I'm, I'm not try, I always try to figure out how the Vulcan mind meld is actually supposed to work. So are they telepathic? Vulcans are mildly telepathic. Spock's telepathic abilities are, of course, limited because of his half-human heritage. I've been led to understand that some Vulcans can set up a mind meld Without physical contact, Spock, of course, always has to use physical contact. But, of course, you get a better connection if you employ 
physical contact, especially if you're reading a non-Vulcan mind. And it also, it's a two-way connection. As you can see, Spock is becoming affected by being in Van Gil Gilder's mind. Well, that's good. Theoretically, theoretically, you know your profession. Theoretically, you know that's not going to harm him. That's a lot. He's taking a really big. I would have beamed down a security contingent at this point. Yeah. Oh wait, they can't beam it down because it's a security field. You have to study your uh, your manual on beaming down the penal <laughs> colony, Papa. <laughs> I wonder. Oh, now she's curious. No, don't ask her that. Uh, yes. What are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> Star Trek After Dark. Jeez. Oh, Dr. Noel. God damn. Oh, wouldn't they? Have? I mean, yeah. depending on how the distance between where the party was being held in his cabin, someone would have had to have seen him carrying her down the corridor. You know, Hi, Captain. Be different if he cared. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Anyone in one person in this story needs to be psychiatrically evaluated, and I think I'm looking at her right now. No, this seems natural. Seems normal. <laughs> Harmless. It really is. I mean, as fantasies go, like what? This is what that's when Realm and Janice should have walked into the room, but she, she probably didn't think of including that. Well, why would she want Yeoman Janice to walk into the room? No, that is in a, in a real situation. That's when Yeoman Janice would have walked into the room. Oh yes, I have, I have these forms to sign for you, Captain. We're just a lot of kinkmeisters here, aren't we? Ah, damn. Speaking of episodes that launched a thousand slash fictions.
I'll obey the disco light of death. Not pretty. I make a nice Christmas ornament. Now, I wonder, wouldn't the fact that he's trying to contact the ship register somewhere up on the ship itself? The communicator open. Yes. Like when he first opened it, I guess, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Try to convince him after. Could they think of the ratings? Come on now. <laughs> think of the, think of the generations of slash fiction authors yet unborn. <laughs> we got a Game of Thrones this shit. Uh, overabundance of sizzle, but no steak. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're the one who started this fantasy bit. Oh, I see. It's going to be that kind of relationship, huh? Are you fucking serious? The unwritten law of 60s science fiction is that ventilator ducts had to be large enough for people to climb through. Even true, like when you were a youngin? You mean, were ventilator ducts that large? I I didn't spend a lot of time hearing around ventilator ducts, but practically every episode of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea had a crew person or an officer crawling through a ventilator duct. I think they used, they, they moved through the ship more through the ventilator ducts than they did through the corridors. That must have been a nice view for him. <laughs> what? Like they were just hanging out watching that lovely vision go right into the air duct. Oh, oh. there's zombies. Oh, that's right. They are, aren't they? Okay, yeah, you're right. Okay. Why was she checking on the woman doctor? Because Yeoman Janice wasn't there with a load of forms. Oh. Which is actually, I mean, he has no idea of the amount of success she would have had after leaving the chamber. So it was more or less an honest answer. And she opened the grate with her womanly strength. The remarkably clean and dust-free event. I just opened. Open and close. If it was me, I'd be. I'd have to spend like a half hour struggling to get the vent open. It wouldn't be big enough to fall through.
And she, of course, knows how to disable electrical equipment. Like Obi-Wan in the Death Star, just he knows where to go and how to actually shut down the tractor beam. Well, to give Obi-Wan credit, they did consult the computers to locate the tractor beam. They control. located it, but he didn't, like, all he did was just uh, turn down the uh, power or whatever it is. Okay, it says high voltage. I wouldn't be just reaching up and grabbing for it. So, like, there is no switch like that on Earth that would allow itself to be turned off without a whole host of alarms going off at once. And it, I believe it would also be locked down Ooh. for reasons which we've just seen. You know, like there would be another uh, panel somewhere where you have to flip that switch in order for that one to be allowed to be pushed back up. A safety breaker. Okay, so he does have a phaser, and so does she. You have a fit. You have a phaser. Stop. <laughs> Just start blasting. Well, that was simple. Damn. I'm beginning to lose more and more respect for this penal colony here. (laughs) Oh, Spock, you dumbass. What are you doing? (laughs) What fucking bullshit is this? You logic... Dude, just start blasting. Just pew, pew. Too late. Oh, okay, so they were just beaming down more and more people. All right. I can dig it. Well, yes, I've worked in a call center. Yep. God, that was the closest I ever got to suicide. Was a fucking call center. Oh, for years, just oh my god. A job. It makes in- you. It makes you wonder how many suicides have occurred among call center employees. Well, they were doing. Uh, They're doing a uh, studies, and they said that. Uh, as stress goes, a call center employee uh, is actually on par and sometimes higher than a bomb squad uh, guy. I can believe it. He just found out the Christmas party in the science department's been canceled this year. Damn.
the deepness. Eh. I don't know if I like the ending, really. Low-keyed ending. Um, what, were you wanting a little bit more blood and thunder or something? More of a comeuppance, I guess, maybe? Well, I mean, Van Gelder died of overexposure to that machine. I mean, what exactly are you looking for? Isn't that, isn't that comeuppance enough? Now, I wanted him to uh, be uh, under the care of uh, the real Van Gelder. Ah. Uh, stop here streaming. Da, da, da. There we go. Okay, cool. So what did you think so- of the episode? I give it a B plus. It's it's not a great episode. It's not a bad episode. It's um I, I don't want to use this derogatorily, but an average episode. Yeah, I'll give it a solid B. It was all right. You you can't always have episode not I mean, no matter what series, right? You cannot always have episodes, you know, batting them out of the park or ending up in the bottom of the trash dumpster. Yeah. Well, I'm also, as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I am surprised and also a little bit impressed at the fact that, you know, we were 10 episodes in and we have yet to have the Enterprise actually engage in any combat. Uh, there haven't been any real physical conflicts as part of the main focus, I guess. Like there was the cage where he was fighting the uh, the barbarian with the bad teeth, but... <laughs> Like other than that, I don't think there was any other instance where it was. Oh wait, uh, where no man has gone before. I guess he was, you know, fisticuffs what? with the god. Yes. Uh, then we have what Emmy yeah, within. No, Mud's women. No. Uh, beat someone with the styrofoam rock and what a little girl's made of, but that doesn't really count. Well, the salt vampire episode had you know a lot of phaser action. Oh, yeah, it did. I wonder what the salt vampire was doing in this episode. Pretending to be a patient of the psychologist of the ship so she has something to do. Uh, Working on gathering salt favors for the next Christmas party. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. She never saw Kirk at the Christmas party. That's why Kirk is so confused and kind of creeped out. It's because it wasn't Kirk. It was actually the salt vampire pretending to be Kirk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What? Oh, this old vampire keeps its form. It keeps its illusion. It's just, a, just the thought of those sucker <laughs> tentacles. Maybe she's into it, okay? This is the oh. future. Have to have an open mind. <laughs> but I am, I am really, really looking forward to our next episode, which is actually one of my favorite episodes. And mine as well, the Corbomite Maneuver, yes. Yes, and I even remember the exact conversation that led me to this episode, because I asked you, because uh, you had vast knowledge of all things sci-fi. <laughs> uh, I was asking, like, what are some of the largest ships ever in sci-fi? And I think you, you placed this one at the top of the list. And even yes. though, even though like, we were, it was the original special effects, so the ship itself wasn't that impressive to look at uh, visually, the way they described it and the way they played it off at the episode was just really great. A top tier. Oh and, yes. That's uh, one uh, of the better scenes in the franchise. Yes. And is it so, the, who's the kid? The kid was someone, the kid was someone, uh, <laughs> uh, Orbanite. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm seriously. The kid was, uh, is an, as an actor. Um, I think we're giving away a little bit too much here right now, but, Oh, I, I think, I think it's okay. I think there's no spoilers. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Clint Howard. Yes. Stop your applause, everybody! It's Clint Howard. <laughs> Goddamn, my man can't get a. Oh yeah, Clint Howard. That's great. I'm glad he was in that episode. Ah, oh. he's the brother of actor and director Ron Howard, who you might be thinking of. Which is how he gets all... No, I, not who I'm thinking of. I know who Clint Howard is. This is how he gets all his roles. He is only one... Of, he was only one of five actors to appear in both the original series and Star Trek Enterprise. He also appeared in Deep Space Nine and 
Star Trek Discovery. Wait, wait, hold on. What? Hold on. He was in the next generation? Um. Oh, yes. television. As what? Hold on, let me see. Oh, dear. Okay, now. Uh, Clint Howard. Hold on. Clint Howard, Star Trek, The Next Generation. All right, what do we got? Well, here we go. Clint Howard, Star Trek. That. Oh, wait. Memory Alpha. Fuck the stance. Fuck the official database. Give me the Memory Alpha bullshit. <laughs> Holy damn. Oh, wow. A lot of his look is apparently is just like with makeup and some glasses and how he holds himself. Because holy shit, he doesn't look like anything. Oh my god! Here, I'm gonna send you this link. Check out Clint Howard. That is not what he fucking looks like, and damn near everything I see him in. But I mean, if he can get the job, god damn. Okay, so he let's see. got a lot of job. He's another busy. Um. I'm still trying to find. I'm looking at IMDb right now. I sent you the link in uh, Discord. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go to Discord without losing, risk losing uh, you. No, you won't. Yeah, I, we're on Discord, so just you can look at the text channel and tie and type while it's still being the voice channel. It's just that the voice channel is the only one you're actually talking in. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's the picture I saw. Yeah, okay. But no, apparently he was not in The Next Generation. He goes uh, uh, original series, and he goes DS9. Uh, what the fuck is ENT? Enterprise. Oh. Star Trek Enterprise. Is that one of the ones after Voyager? I keep hearing rumors there were in a Star Trek series after Voyager. <laughs> That was that was one I keep, of them. I keep looking. It just doesn't show up when I Google. What the fuck is this? This isn't Star Trek. Discovery. No, that's not it. It's, must be like some sort of hold on. I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's some sort of hold on. Uh looks like a failed techno mage from Babylon Five. I guess <laughs> This must have been a spin-off series from Babylon 5 that I'm unaware of, but that's okay. He was in an episode of Deep Space Nine, Past Tense Part 2, playing a character called Grady. Yeah. He oh, he was also in the Apollo 13 movie. He was playing a uh, uh an engineer. Yeah, he was the one who gave the uh spiel about what's going on with uh, the power to the reporter, not the reporter. Um What's his face? Uh, yes, hello, my name is Walter Cronkite. That's it. Okay. I'll never, I'll never forget what's his face. He was also in two episodes of From the Earth to the Moon. Yeah, they, he was reprising his role. Because uh, I think Tom Hanks, for like a few years, whenever he was in a movie, he would do a uh, he would produce a series after that movie based on why that movie was so great. <laughs> I actually like from Earth to the Moon. Actually, I did as well. It was also in the Total Recall 2070 TV series, if you have any memory of that. There was a Total Recall TV series? It didn't last very long. Uh, this must be why I don't recall it. Ha, 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 ha. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how good Dagger of the Mind was. We're talking about Clint Howard, who is in the next episode. <laughs> Also talking about Nazis and Nazis. Yes, that's right. But I hope you all enjoyed, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at uh, lostpodcastoftitan at gmail.com. Uh, we usually release our episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and uh, that's it. I hope you have a wonderful day. You want to say anything, Papa? Uh, just that be prepared for a great deal of gushing and worshipful comments in, in our next broadcast. Yeah, yeah seriously. I'm like... We'll, we'll try and come up with something derogatory to say. To... Actually, I'm curious. I'm going to I'm gonna hold off on actually watching, because I was curious what the uh, new special effects of the uh, the Corbinite maneuver ship was. 
So I want to see what they actually do with it. I'm, I'm going to hold my, my initial reaction for when it actually is on screen so we can get a fresh, genuine reaction. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be able to t- tell the difference. Oh, okay. I'll leave it okay. Well, take care, everybody, and hope you have a wonderful day. Happy trails.